Real quick, the only ask I could ever have of you guys is to help spread the word so we can help more women lose body fat, build muscle, reach their goals, and feel insanely confident. And the only way we can do that is if you rate, review, and share this podcast. So the single thing I ask for you to do is if you could leave a review. It will take you 10 seconds and it will mean the absolute world to me and may change the world of someone else. And so I told her one day at the hospital as a joke, like, Jess, I'm going to run around Iceland for you. Like, I'm going to do something. Like, I need you to just imagine what it would be like with you and your boys, like both of your babies at the end of the finish line. And I'm going to do this for you. And she's like, you're fucking crazy. I was like, no, but really, like, I'm going to do it. And it became like kind of a joke. And then I went home and I was like, shit. Now I actually have to see if this is possible. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Macro Hour. And today we have another special guest virtually here with us. Fitness entrepreneur, athlete, and soon-to-be mom, Hannah Eden. And in a brief short moment that I met her at Coaching Con, I met you in like the bathroom when you had to pee. I like stopped doing the hallway. <laughs> it's like, damn, she's a pretty dope human. And I'm super excited to have her here today to share her story and so much more with us. So Hannah, welcome to the show. Excited that oh, you're here. Man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for today. Yeah. Cool. So tell tell us, tell, even like selfishly, I want to know more about you, even though I learned a lot with Coaching Con, but share with us a little bit about what you, about you, what you do with your tribe and with like half tribe and all that stuff. Absolutely. So, well, first business, business venture was opening up a gym in 2015 and it was awesome. We built a really strong community in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And we had the gym for five years, but two years into having the gym, I had started to build my online brand and when social media was just becoming something cool, I started to build my social media page. So I launched an online training platform. So tried to create a virtual community, which is now the Heft Tribe, um, globally because so many people were accessing my programs through the content I was filming with other massive um, brands that I wanted to do it for myself as well. So since 2017, we've had many stages of evolution of the HEF training option, which is now the HEF training app. And we have an incredible community all around the world. And it started with kind of like an experiment between, okay, what we're doing in the gym is working. How can we get this kind of programming and protocol out there successfully for people to do at home or virtually all around the world? And um, it started with daily sweat programming it with it just typed up. Um, then we started to launch ebooks when ebooks was ser- first started to become cool. And we did, it's just been so many different stages of evolution. And now we have a really dope app that we have thousands of people that are subscribed to around and around the world as well. But we have daily sweat workouts that we post and we also release in app programs so every so often. And then things to complement now that we do with the Hef Tribe is community workouts. We have retreats, which I just got back from one actually in Bali. And we get to do the face-to-face human hugs and like real life experience as well. The virtual world is obviously so powerful and effective and can reach so many people, but it's not quite the same as like getting to squeeze someone and like have eye contact with someone that you've met and that supports me from afar. And I've been able to affect their life in some way as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, let the community know what's up with you right now. Are you, you know, soon to be mom? Yeah. Uh, how far along are you? Yeah, so I just passed the six-month mark, um, so I'm about 25 weeks now, which is 
crazy. It's like, oh, whoa, like we're really almost there. Shit, we better start on the things that matter. <laughs> <laughs> like putting it together the crib and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. The last three months have been a whirlwind, which we kind of knew they would be. We had so much travel planned and so many events going on. And we got home yesterday, actually, from our final trip. And we were like, okay, now we need to like choose the colors of the nursery. We've got all these swatches all over the wall and start to build the crib and like do all the things that I mean, I have friends that have had their babies at 30 weeks, you know, it's like shit that's right around the corner just in case, like who knows what's going to happen, but it's time to nest and to settle down, which is kind of fun. I was going to use that word nest and nesting. Yeah, I think that's what they call it. (laughs) I have no idea, but yes, (laughs) I've never been pregnant before, but that's so exciting for you. Um, So we'll put a pin on that because I definitely want to circle back to the pregnancy conversation. But first, you know, I listened to you speak at Coaching Con and this specific story was so freaking impactful that I love for the audience to learn more about you through this light of what you've accomplished. Um, So can you share about that amazing feat of cycling and running 828.6 miles around Thanks for being so precise. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) absolutely doing it in nine days like what what motivated you to take that on and uh yeah share that journey with us yeah totally it was um a really challenging time in my life in my personal life and while my personal life was kind of being affected in this really negative way and really um kind of life-changing way my business and my brand was thriving and I had built a massive social media following and there was a lot of a lot of eyes on me every day. And I had a couple of choices on how I dealt with it, which is one of my best friends was diagnosed with stage four cancer while being six months pregnant. And I remember maybe three months prior, I had done my first um, charitable mission, I guess, using my body and my fitness for the greater good of myself. It was to raise money for a orphanage in Haiti. And so whenever that had happened, I had done that as supporting someone else. It was their mission. And um, I remember thinking at the end of that, like, wow, we just combined, tried to attempt running 230 miles through Haiti and we raised a shit ton of money for these kids. But I've never met these kids before. And I was like, man, if I was willing to do that, three months later, my best friend gets diagnosed with cancer. She's pregnant. It's like, okay, shit. If I was willing to do that for these little kids that I'd never met before, I have to do something. And I said it on stage, I'll say it again, I thrive in control. And whenever this news was handed to me, I lost all control. I had absolutely no power to change the reality of what was happening. And I felt totally helpless. Um, And I remember how empowering I felt, how empowering it felt to do that charitable event and it felt like even though we're making a small difference we're still making a difference and we're able to do something that can impact people in a positive way so as soon as i found out obviously i I dealt with it on a personal level uh i honestly kind of let go of everything and meaning my business and my life to try and support and help and do what i could and it came pretty evident pretty quickly that there was nothing anyone could do and we just have to figure out the best way to keep her name was Jessica, uh, Jessica's mind intact because I had known the power of the mind. And I think everyone at that point knew like she needs to keep her head in the game if we have any hope. And naively, I think we all thought that she was going to survive. <clears throat> so she was a very goal-oriented person. 
always like looking for the next thing to to level up on. And her husband was really great friends of my husband, and they'd been together for I think ten years at that point. And Paolo and I had been together for so long, and it was rare to find another couple that had been through the ringer with each other and have grown together. So we became really, really good friends and they'd had their first son two years prior. And so the thoughts that were going through everything, everyone's mind were just chaotic. As you can imagine, like we have to do something. This can't be real. We can't accept this truth. And so we decided to create, well, I decided with her and her husband, as I started to see her mind slip, like we've got to give her something to look forward to. She needs hope. Like all hope is like falling through her fingers like, let's give her something to work towards or to to visualize. And so I told her one day at the hospital as a joke, like, Jess, I'm going to run around Iceland for you. Like, I'm going to do something. Like, I need you to just imagine what it would be like with you and your boys, like both of your babies at the end of the finish line. And I'm going to do this for you. And she's like, you're fucking crazy. I was like, no, but really, like, I'm going to do it. And it became like kind of a joke. And then I went home and I was like, shit. Now I actually have to see if this is possible. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I put that out there now. Like I have to be willing to try and do this. So I did. I went home and was like Googling routes around Iceland, trying to figure out if there was some kind of uh, existing route that existed that I could try and do or some crazy distance. I wasn't thinking the whole country. And then I realized that Iceland isn't that big. And I had known that it was possible to attempt 200 plus miles on foot from Haiti so I was like, if I bring in a bike and, and I'm running too, I could probably do this. And there was this one big diagram that I actually have tattooed on my hand, on my forearm, which is the country of Iceland. And it had this red line, which is route one. And it's, a, it's called the ring road. And it is this circular route that just goes around the entire edge of the country. And I was like, I think it's possible. And so I gave myself like 12 months. I went back to the hospital with all these like printouts of, for Jess to like to say like, I'm going to do it. And it became a thing. And I got myself a coach. I really thought about like, okay, if, I, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to be able to actually accomplish it, I need to give myself enough time. Because in Haiti, I had just showed up to this event because it was someone else's mission. And it became very evident that my body broke down before my mind did, which was probably the most frustrating thing that's ever happened. It's like, I never got the opportunity to test my mental limits because I felt like my ankles were dislocating with every step. And I wasn't really um, equipped or prepared to do that mission. And it was pay- a lot of pain. So I took the time that I needed. I found my coach. We started, and I was not, I'd probably cycled like maybe five miles before that, but I was an athlete and I was willing to go there. I was willing to put my body through what it needed to go through to prepare for something so daunting as that. And um, I did, man. It was the craziest experience. I remember my first training session on a bike I was like struggling to get to 30 minutes so it was like really like oh my god this hurts like I don't know if I can do this but yeah slowly and surely I just kept showing up kept training quick right there how did you train and prepare yourself like both physically and mentally for such like a demanding endeavor like that is just like and then I'm gonna ask too how much you cycled how much you ran but how did you train and prepare yourself for that I was so fortunate that I had a network of friends and a, I was working with Nordic Track at the time mm. where Nordic Track have some of the best trainers in the game and they had all these ultra athletes, these ultra marathoners, these like just insane athletes that were into endurance and a lot of them became my good friends and I was a, I had a great network of coaching resources and I reached out to Amanda Basham who's 
now two babies deep and still such a badass endurance athlete where this is what they do, you know, maybe not 800 miles. And they kept saying like, this is a really long way. They used to, I mean, running a hundred miles, running 200 miles, whatever that is, like that's crazy stuff. Like there's a very certain mindset that you have or willingness to go there. Right. So I needed to be immersed by the knowledge of all of these people that do this all the time. So I got myself a really solid coach and I said, like, let's start as if I've never done anything before, you know, although I was super fit in one modality, anyone in the fitness industry knows like they're not transferable skills just because you're great at one thing doesn't mean that you're going to be great at something else. You might be decent at it and be able to make your way, but you have to specialize if you want to do something as crazy as this. So I started to lessen my regular training and started with like 30 minutes and then it was 45 then 60 and then 90 and we would do different types of training. So I wouldn't just show up and go for distance every day. I would do interval training. I would do tempo training to try and increase my lactate threshold. And then I would do endurance runs. I'd do recovery runs. It was really important to maintain the state of my body at that time and to match my fuel intake. So whatever my output was, the food that was going in was the same. And it just slowly over like the course of, I want to say 10 to 11 months, I did this and consistently every single day it became my life like I got a new office that I had a treadmill in that I could have my team be in the office and I was training while I was working and I just did whatever I could it was like such a cool adventure to embark on but it was also my way of dealing with this shit storm that was happening in my life where I didn't know how to deal with it and my way was like pouring myself into training and feeling that pain and like trying to deal with the mental suffering that was going on as well like I was a psycho I would train in absolute silence and I would just like the thoughts that were going through my mind of like what, what I was witnessing with my friend I was at the hospital a lot like seeing very firsthand like the most like pain, painful thing that I've ever seen anyone go through it was like what I'm feeling when I'm running what I'm feeling when I'm cycling this isn't pain this is discomfort that I choose to do and what's happening with Jess right now is not a choice right and like She's essentially dying at that point. I didn't quite understand that, but I was watching someone die, which that sounds so morbid, but it's it's a really hard thing to be part of. And so the training just started to get higher, higher in volume. Then we started to do block training and brick training with biking and running. And right towards the end of my uh, training, before I went off onto the actual mission, like there were like five, six hours sessions a day and 5,000 plus calories of food and I just became this machine. It was like I had this goal in my mind. I had so much determination to get there. And about, I left in July and in March of the same year, Jess passed away on March 27th. And this so the, the training, right? Like, yeah. 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 And then it was like, oh shit. Like now everything has changed. Um, I had this whole plan of like bringing this massive media team and like I was so naive. I thought she was going to survive. I really did think she was going to be at the end of the of the end of the finish road and that would be like the road to recovery. And whenever she passed away, it was like, all right, well, I have to do this for her now, but now I don't want a production team there. We had someone document it and we have like a really brief documentary of the whole thing that we did on YouTube, but we really didn't get into the nitty-gritty and at first I was like I don't want my husband there. I don't want anyone that I'm vulnerable around there. Like we have to just fucking go. I want to need a mechanic and a doctor. And after she passed away, it was like, no, no, no. Like all of us need to be there and I need to like eliminate anyone that isn't close to this situation. And 
just give us all some time and space to like go through this shit and uh, yeah. to mourn, was- you know? I'm going to cut you off right there, but there was something that popped in my head. I remember you talking about at Coaching Con. I seriously respect like the way you explained it. And I respect the way you just everything you just shared there and like the whole journey you went on and like the discomfort and the pain and recognizing that this is your choice and Jess didn't get to choose it. Um, but one thing that you just said there was like you, you're, you didn't want anybody there, almost like your husband. You didn't want the, you didn't want the media team there. You didn't want the all of your loved ones there. And at the at the coaching con, you spoke about like how you are around those people and how you need it to be to accomplish the mission and accomplish yeah. the. So, can you talk about like what those two different emotions, like that state, is? Right? Totally. All fucked. <laughs> head down. Let's fucking go. And then, then you got like an emotion. You got like you with your family, and like there's an emotional connection to that. Yeah, I have this like strange ability to like turn on a switch and when I turn on this switch and I go all in I am like this in business I am like this at a competition I am like this if I'm doing something as crazy as Iceland like it's not a nice version of myself it's primal it's like I will do whatever the fuck it takes it's aggressive it's fucking not it has no patience like it is here to do a mission and no one will get in my fucking way like the the soft side of me just disappears and it's not that nice to be around. I totally go in, inside of who I am. I don't talk to anyone. I don't really want to converse. I don't want to share what my experience is like. Like I'm in go mode. And whenever I'm around my loved ones, just like any of us, we're the most vun- vulnerable we can be. And there's no space for vulnerability when I'm in this other mindset. And so I'd been there before. I'd, I'd known that side of myself. I didn't want to argue with people that may have been offended with what I was doing. I was there to do a job and a job only. And like I couldn't let my soft, vulnerable side, which totally exists, and that's who I am wholeheartedly, but I couldn't let that person show up when I had the job to do. So I told my husband, I was like, I love you, but like, you can't come. Like, you can't be there because I might, I I think it's so important, the words that come out of our mouth, thoughts that go through our mind whenever we're doing something like that. Like, if we let the weak thoughts come in or the doubts start to slip in, then it consumes us. And I will never doubt myself if I'm surrounded by killers and like in this space to go because there's just one way of like, there's only one thing to do here. But when I am with the people that I love, I might start to say like, hey, I'm sore or like, do you think I can do this? Or like, let the vulnerable fear or the doubt slip in. And I just didn't think that 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 was possible. But I actually also learned on that that trip, like that wasn't the truth. That's the, that was a story that I told myself because I was still able to do it with so much vulnerability and so much softness and like just surrendered to the entire thing and it was very different but prior to it I thought it was like there's only one option here and it's to go stuck in psycho mode and like to get this done you know even you just sharing it here again like I remember feeling that so hard like I resonate with that so hard and like even just sitting here hearing it again it's like I have chills listening to it and I know a lot of people will resonate with that too as well like you know, when people are going after their fitness goals, it's like they have the loved ones around them being like, oh, you don't need to do that. And then there's like right. ones that want to be like, no, I want to do this for me. And like, you know, there's a fine line between you having to just push forward with the go mode, beast mode and like head down the hat on. And it's like, and not fall, you know, it, it's all, it's like that fine balance line of like, like, I need to just push through to what I want to do. And like, I love you guys, but like, yeah, I'm here. But then there is a power of vulnerability of like, you know, you, you surrender to everything, which to your, to that caliber is just like a, 
another world of what you did but even within just that little like glimpse of how people will go after the fitness journeys too is is very relatable yeah totally it's it's an interesting space and now i think i think age also ha- age and experience has a lot to do with it as well like you can do both there is like this fine line of still harnessing that mindset and that like i'm gonna fucking go get it attitude but not necessarily making that mindset everyone else's problem you know it's like i anything i've done since that's really hard that's been the mission in my mind the intention going in is like no matter how hard this gets this is my choice i chose to show up here and it will not become anyone else's problem but my own and i don't want to make it a miserable experience for people around me and i definitely used to be like that when i was in this like i would call it like a killer mindset like david goggins talks about how he's like david goggins and then he's goggins right like it's like they're two different people it's like this split personality and being able to turn it on or turn it off. Like I think it's now like possible to have harness both at the same time and having the control over your emotions to show people certain sides and then show yourself the other like inner narrative that's like the fucking <laughs> aggressive monster. Yeah, I love it. Is like Hannah Eden and Hannah or like what are the totally, two? Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned there though when you were sharing the journey, you know, that Justin passed away. And so wrapping back around to that, what were some, I mean, that, that had to freaking be devastating. Your whole like plan was to like have her at the end there and to have her watch you cross the finish line with their boys. So that being a challenge, but what were other, like some of the biggest challenges that you faced and then how did you overcome those challenges while you were training? And then while you actually like, we didn't even get to the run yet into the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really complicated, um, complicated might not be the right way of describing it but it's a very at the time it was a very complicated and confusing journey to navigate through um jess passed away luckily her baby that she was pregnant with survived he was 27 weeks which is so crazy as a like mum to be being at 25 weeks now like that's insane to think that a child could survive at that age but he did um and he's thriving and like living his best life but there was a lot to to try and navigate because uh jess's husband jeff was obviously going through his own experience of whatever was going on in his mind and there was just a lot of like now it was like okay well we have to be sensitive towards everyone that's going through this the the it was like it just when it rains it pours analogy like that couldn't be more true than this chapter of my life but jess passed away on the 27th of march and we were at the hospital picking up her death certificate and I walked outside and my husband was in a pile of tears on the floor and his brother had just passed away within like two days or three days. And I remember in that moment just being like, how are we here? And then battling with this, like, should I be doing this? Should this mission be what I'm focusing on right now? Should Is this the right thing to be doing? And, and it was like b- battling between that and then the other side of being like, no, you said you were going to do this. This is not about you. This is so much bigger than you. Like you have to do this for Jess. You have to do this. And at that point we had opened it up to the public of like, if anyone has ever been affected by cancer, please write us a letter. And I want to dedicate some of these miles to you and to your loved ones that you're either still here or that you've lost along the way. So then it was like that responsibility of like, okay, it isn't about me. I can't let these people down. Like we are doing so much greatness here. Nordic Track came in and, and really supported me on this mission and they donated one mile. I, I went to Iceland like three months before I left to do the mission and we filmed a full running program there, which you can still find on, on the Nordic Track platform. But while I was running, they released the program 
and while I was actually doing the mission. And they, for the first 24 hours or 48 hours, they said like, for every mile ran on the platform where they have millions of subscribers, we will donate $1 per mile and we will donate this to the Huntsman Cancer Institute. So it was like so much was happening. There was so much duality in it all. Like, oh my gosh, like this is so personal, but now it's become so public. Uh, am I doing the right thing by showing up and actually going through with this mission or should I be staying home and like supporting family through the shit that's also going on inside of our personal family? Like it was just so much happening that there was a lot of conflicted feelings and it was really complicated, but also so simple at the same time. It was like, no, like you've come this far in training. You told Jess that you would do this. Like the conversations I had with Jess before she passed away, like those are things that I hold so close to my heart. Like I'm not going to do the disservice of quitting like I'm not a fucking quitter you know I'm going to make this happen and, and so it was just like a really weird place to be that we didn't get as much we didn't I didn't want as much attention on it as I probably would have if she didn't pass away or all this stuff wasn't happening in my life but it was a really um interesting place to be because Jeff also had to leave you know America to be there he didn't come for the whole trip it was just so much, so much all at once that it's almost like you black out in these stages of life or your brain or your mind decided to suppress certain memories. So there's some things that I don't, don't even remember because it was just such a challenging time. But I was just kind of in this floating autopilot mode of like, you have to get through this. And once this is done, then we can like really recalibrate and figure out like where to go from here. But it was, it was, it was really hard, but so beautiful, everything all at the same time. Yeah. So how many, that's incredible that, you know, dedicated all of that, your training and then showed up and did it. And then, so let's talk about the doing of it. How much of the 800 plus miles you ran was cycling and running? So it's funny. Uh, initially it was supposed to be eight days. So I had my crazy mind like i'm a goal-oriented type a motherfucker so i before i went i downloaded strava and set out these stretches that i would do every day so i had something or a goal to work towards every day and it was over 100 miles every day um but i was naive which i think i'm really grateful for because if i hadn't have been fear and doubt and all these stories would have showed up in my mind beforehand but i did not look into the terrain so I did not look into like if there's hills or if it's flat or what the incline or decline is. And I didn't know what the weather would be like. And Iceland is craziest and notorious for having like the craziest weather. Like they have, the reason why we chose that it was because it was supposed to be summer where they have 24 hours of daylight, right? Because during certain times of the year, it's 24 hours of, of dark, darkness. And I showed up day one and we got there, we went to the weather station and they're like, this is the worst summer that we have had for like something like 40 years. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Of course oh my it is. God. And day one, we set out on this mission and I was, I hoping with my trading splits that were happening in reality that I could, with those 100-ish miles a day, I could um, do like a stretch of 50 on the bike, get off, run 10, and then finish up on the bike. And this, I had this like solid plan, this rigid plan for myself. But right before I went to this, to start, I, it was definitely self-inflicted, but I got a stress fracture in my foot. So I started the whole mission with a stress fracture and I was like, shit. So then I had to check my ego, which like ruined my plans. And I'm not, I wasn't great at that, especially at that time. This is like six years ago now. We're dealing with change. Like I had a plan and I needed to stick to the plan. And so that rocked me a little bit. And then day one, we set off and it's like 14 miles per hour headwinds pushing me backwards. I felt like I was cycling through 
mud. You know, like I could not get any speed on me. I was being pushed backwards. It was raining. The hills was fucking crazy. That would be like a slight incline, but for like 20 miles, it was just like an absolute nightmare. And you see that on on the documentary. It's like, okay, we ended up finishing. And my goal was, okay, if I stick to what has been happening in training, which I live in, I lived in fucking Florida, which is flat, right? Like I did not take into account. So I was comparing those speeds and that output to what I thought I could do in Iceland. And then I was like, okay, so it'll probably take me around 12 hours. I'll be done. I'll be able to get good rest every day. And we'll just repeat this cycle for, for eight days was the goal. Day one, we started at the crack of dawn and we didn't finish till like almost two in the morning. And I was like, okay, I did not finish what I wanted to do on day one. And again, that choice of what, what do you do? Do you let panic set in? Do you let yourself feel like you failed on day one, even though you have this massive mission in front of you, having not even put a dent in your distance that you need to do? Or do you have a pep talk and get your shit together and re-navigate how you do this? And that's what we I did. I went I went somewhere alone on first night and was like, stop feeling so sorry for yourself. Okay, it's not working how you thought it was going to happen. Let's flip, let's switch the 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 scripts. Like, well, let's figure out some way that doesn't because it just felt like so much pressure. Like, I failed. I'm behind. I'm I lost this one. Like, all these things kept coming in. It's like, how how am I going to be able to finish this if I keep this up? Like, the worst conversation inside of my mind. So, I switched it and I was like, you know what? you need to rest. Like you can't keep working until two, three in the morning, getting three hours of sleep and then trying to do it again. Like that's not going to work. So I said, okay, starting tomorrow. Cause also I had organized campsites for our, cause I was being followed in an RV. So like I was supposed to cycle, run, stop, sleep, and then get up exactly where I'd left off and keep going throughout the whole thing. Right. So I was like, okay, we're going to drop a pin on where we finished today. We're going to drive ahead to where we were supposed to be sleep. And then tomorrow morning, we're going to drive back to where the pin is. We're going to start from where we left off. And you're just going to work for 12 hours. And I kept saying to myself, I had a really big cushion on the end of the eight days. I think it was like even like maybe nine days ahead that I wasn't leaving the country for. So I was like, okay, we're going to work for 12 hours. We're going to rest for 12 hours. However long this takes for me to, to finish, I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to be honest. There's people that are watch that they were tracking me on Strava. Like I'm not going to be dishonest with my miles. Like that's something that I would never be able to live with. And I'm just going to do it. If I don't finish, I don't finish. And I just know that I put my best foot forward. Hey, hey, just want to drop a huge appreciation to you guys listening to the show. It means a lot. I hope you guys are enjoying it and there's so much more to come with it. If you are enjoying it, hit the subscribe button. I'd appreciate that tons. And also it would help this podcast reach others who need to hear these messages too. Thanks so much, guys. Let's get back to the show. And just switching that mentality, which is one of the biggest lessons I have to take away. Like I accomplished every single distance that I said I was going to do. I had to add on one day, like, whoop do fucking do Like, it's not a big deal. And I was able to do it. And it was just removing the pressure and, like, being able to change and handle change and pivot on the spot and, like, just be, like, slow. Slow with it because if you work, if you keep working against it, the universe or whatever is going to work against you. And I kept recognizing that. It was, like, all these lessons just slapping me in the face. It was so hard. But I'm so glad it happened on day one because if it hadn't and I didn't go through all of that, like I maybe maybe I wouldn't have ever finished, you know, or maybe I've, I would have quit because the pressure that I put on myself was just so immense that just giving myself time, not distance, like 12 hours, do what you can, remove the pressure and I was able to perform. 
That's amazing. That's a, a huge testament to your face of adversity on day one because so many people would freaking give up and like, oh, I failed. You know, it's like I I I, I failed. I'm not gonna be able to complete it. But like you're like, nah, man, let's just you're surrendering. That was you totally, totally. Yeah. And it's like you haven't failed. You just have to change your approach. Like, come on, like we got this. And you've got at that point I had like I think it was 15 days or something to to really do it. So like do what you can. Like that's all you can do is do what you can, right? Like just that's it. There's no more to it. And it's just wild how much I am enjoyed it. And because I enjoyed it, I was in a better state of mind. Because I was in a better state of mind, I could go for longer. It was like just such a di- it was it changed everything and then changed every decision and the way that I operate through life that I took with me from this crazy experience. You know, it was it was wild. So many, so many lessons. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's so that's so good to uh, to speak to. I know some of you will be able to resonate because it's not failing, like you said. It's just like reapproaching your situation and looking at it from a different light, and not being obsessed with like I need to finish this on this day at this time. We need to do this work in between. It's like like you said. It's like you got to change. You were you know back like you said back in the uh, back six years ago. Ego and change was not something that came easily but something they surrendered to and that is what made you have fun and enjoy and be able to accomplish it the way that you did totally totally it's crazy <laughs> and it is wild and that's just wild like mad respect for not looking at the terrain or looking at <laughs> that was a dumb that was honestly dumb but probably one of the dumbest the best dumbest decisions i've ever had well, honestly because it's so true though because like you can be so optimistic and like to your journey forward and that keeps you in a positive state rather than being like a letting fear and like oh can i do this and doubt to like you know weigh you down and then you question all of the things that you're doing like it's 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 honestly respectable it and totally. also at the same time right right, right. <laughs> and that's a big lesson that i've taken with me forward as well like now anytime i do something that is hard I don't research. I don't want to hear anyone else's experience. Even with this journey through motherhood right now, like at first people were sharing their labor stories with me and I was like, you know what? Enough. Like I don't want to hear about anyone else's experience because then my experience becomes part of their experience and I I want to experience this on my own. I have to do it regardless, you know? So I don't want to know about what happened to someone like that might not happen to me. So I don't, I, I channel it all out. Same thing with the darkness retreat. Like I did not want to hear it from friends that had done it I didn't want to talk to anyone I didn't want to watch any documentaries I just wanted to show up and make it my own experience and deal oh. with it however I knew best rather than oh when this person was at this stage in the, their journey they d- dealt with this or they felt this happen like and then I'd be looking for that to happen right and it would take away from the actual experience of my own so it's it's a lesson that I've learned I'm like they're a really dumb decision it actually taught me so much good <laughs> I fucking love that that's so good <laughs> Everybody has their own experience through everything that you go in, through in life, whether and even if it's the same thing, like your motherhood situation that you said, it's like this person's going to have a different experience than you have. And why have anything that may be uh, scary or doubtful to, to them that they experience, even the positive, like let right. you experience the way you want to fucking experience it. And then uh, you'll be. Yeah. Otherwise, we all we're left then because we really don't know. It's unknown, right? It's all we're left with is the space to make up stories of what if or this could like we don't know so get to the situation and let it unfold before you decide what it's going to be and it, it, it's something that some, we should all do it's like we want to be prepared but like being overly prepared sometimes can take away from what ha- could happen for us yeah i love that that's so good um so looking back at that entire journey that you went on with cycling and running through iceland in nine days 
what were some of the most rewarding aspects of that, like both physically and mentally that you experienced? Physically, I'm just so absolutely in awe of the human body. And I was putting my body to the test. And like, if you focus on pain, the pain will get worse. If you kind of give yourself reverse psychology, it will be like my, it became like a running joke. It was not funny at the time, but my husband, Jeff and Courtney, who was Jess's niece, they all finished the last five miles of me and they hated me. Like they absolutely hated me because I had been working for nine days of being an absolute psycho and like telling myself these stories and then like talking to myself out loud while I'm doing it. And so as we're going through it at the end, everyone's tired. Everyone is beat. Even though they hadn't been putting the miles in on the bike or the, on the road, they were all following me in an RV. Everyone was cramped up, uncomfortable, miserable, driving at 12 miles an hour for fucking nine days would have got made anyone go insane. And I kept saying like, it's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind over and over and over and again on repeat. And these guys are like, this isn't in my mind. This is in my fucking body and it hurts. Like, this isn't in my mind. And it, that's something that was big for me. It's like, if we constantly feed the enemy, if we constantly feed the pain or the fear or whatever, then that's what will unfold. Whereas it is possible. It's not healthy. It's not something that we should do all the time. But like when, we're, uh, when our back's up against the wall, like try and switch the narrative in your mind and your body will respond. If you're running a marathon, if you're finishing a workout, like if you constantly repeat in your head, like this sucks, I can't do this, then you won't. But if you're like your best cheerleader and you work on telling yourself what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, your body will respond. And it's absolutely insane. Like I kept putting it to the test. And as a coach, like I say that all the time, it's like focus on the positive, get the negative out of your mind. It's like now I actually got to put that theory to the test on my own body and be that practitioner and then come home and like then not take excuses from anyone because like I've done it. I know it's possible. So cut the shit. Like we can do it. You just have to believe in yourself and have to stay true to this different mentality. And, and it's just incredible how the body responds to your mind. It, that was the biggest thing physically. Um, mentally, uh, day four of the, the whole mission was like life-changing. It was a really hard day, um, but it changed me for the good mentally. Uh, and it, I think I said this on another stage once. There's this quote by Kobe Bryant that says, I have nothing in common with people that uh, blame others for their lack of success. And I was that person. On to, from day one to day four, I was that person because I was so tired. I was so vulnerable. Like I was so broken emotionally. I was so broken physically. Like anytime something went wrong or even if it didn't go wrong and I could just see that there was an opportunity for something to go wrong, the first thing I would do is look outside and be like, whose fault is it? It's someone's fault, right? The examples of this experience and this mission may be unrelatable, relatable, but this is how I'll explain it. But I had a bike pump, which was pretty important considering I needed to cycle the whole way. And we had these, like an RV that had these doors on the outside, where, which is where all our gear was. Someone on the team forgot to lock the, the door. So as we're riding along, we get to one of my rest stops and they didn't actually tell me, which is great. But I found out somehow, like way after the fact that the bike pump fell out. We didn't have a bike pump. And although nothing had happened to my tire, there was nothing wrong yet. The possibility that there could go something wrong and we were unprepared rocked me. And I was fucking livid. I was like, really rude. I was like, I said something verbally out loud and tried to, I think it was probably my husband, the poor guy took the lash of everything. 
And I'm like, How, you fucking lost my bike pump? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like just trying to find someone outside of myself to blame. And then the same day, I had it set up. So I had my phone, had two, like multiple devices on my bike. One that had a map on it, which was where my route was that I was following. And my team were behind me on an RV. I was the leader. It's important to say that. I was in the front of the ship, okay? People were following me. I had the fucking map on my phone where there's this blue dot and a line that I was following. I was out of it and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And some of Iceland's roads are unpaved. So I was majority of the time I was on a road bike. And then if I hit like a part of the road that was unpaved, I would get off and get onto like a mountain bike or a gravel bike. And so that bike was not great. You couldn't pass or, or cover much ground. It was really hard to cycle on gravel and rubble and rocks and whatever. And it just so happened to be there. And we were going 12 miles in the wrong direction. So I went off the map for 12 miles and it took me hours to figure this out, right? I look down, I finally figure out that we're going wrong. We're got, we've gone in the wrong direction for 12 miles. And it was the lowest and the most embarrassing part of the entire experience. Thank God no cameras were around. I always wish they were so I could watch my own behavior and like get even more of a hard lesson of like, you fucking idiot. And I lost my shit. I lost my shit on the entire team. And up until that point, I was really probably only giving my husband shit when no one was around or like giving someone a side eye or like just being sassy, you know, because I was just so broken. And I blamed them. I was like, you had one fucking job. Like, how could you let me do this? Like, do you understand what this just did to me? Like oh, 12 miles on gravel road, like blah, 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 blah. Absolutely lost it. And of course, once we fixed the route, which I think that we drove back 12 miles to where we should have been, even though I could have continued, it would have cut off like a distance. So I was like so anal about staying true and honest to the route, went back the 12 miles and then we got back on and started again. So I think essentially we like added 12 miles to, to the journey. But I had a lot of time that day after the mistake had happened to be on my own. And I, again, like I said, was in a really different state of mind at that point. Like I, a lot of the times I didn't listen to anything. It was just pure silence and just like soaking in and like processing what had happened with Jess and going through it. And I just had so much time on my own to think about my actions. And I was so embarrassed. Like I, I remember having like this moment of like, Hannah, how dare you blame them? Like, you are the leader of the ship. You had the map on your phone. You organize these routes. These people are here for you. They took time out of their lives to support your mission. And that's when everything started to switch. And I was like, we're always waiting for someone to come and save us. We're always waiting for someone to fix our problems. Like we are responsible for our own lives. Like we hear it all the time. Like no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to get you. So take ownership of your life. Take ownership of your mistakes and don't make your shit other people's problem. And it just changed everything. And I remember like recording myself as I was going crazy, which one day I'll find and put out onto the internet. But I was like, it was just like crazy, like this massive like aha moment, like be your own coach. Like as much as we look for guidance and as much as we look for leadership, which is great, they're not going to fix your problems. They're not going to fix your state of mind. They're not going to fix your life or make magic things happen for you. Like we're all responsible for our own lives. We're all responsible for what happens. And to totally take full ownership of that and to embody the words that we say, don't blame others for your lack of success. And I remember hearing that many years later is like, that's it. If I could phrase, if I could sum up what happened on day four into one quote, it would be Kobe Bryant's quote, like stop. I don't have anything in common with others that blame others for their lack of success. 
And that's the difference between a victim and a leader, right? It's like, it's easy to fall into that victim mindset. I was the victim on that. Day one through four, I was the victim. It's like, how dare I? Like, this was my choice. So it was like finding these really hard lessons and or really great lessons in this really hard experience, uh, ones that I've taken with me and that I think that are really important to share because there's a lot of lessons that you learn when you put yourself through the ringer and it's stuff that is relatable. It's not necessarily uh, the same problem as, as anyone else's. We're all going through our own experience, but it's something that we can relate to in, in some way, which is just super powerful. And I take with me into mentorship. I take with me into coaching now and how I run my family, how I run my businesses, you know, how I do everything. It's like all these lessons were learned in these really hard uh, tasks that I set for myself. Yeah, that's so powerful there, especially the victim mentality. Like there's no, if there's like, if, to be relatable to like fitness and people like on their fitness journey, there's like no possible way that you can get to where you want to be, like the person you want to become um, with getting the body you want or even the confidence that you want within yourself. If you're living in a victim mentality, if you're searching like and blaming externally for all of the problems that really if you take an internal picture are some things that you have, are all the things that you have control of. You have control over it, right? Like the the things that you eat on a daily basis, the way you work out, the way you talk to yourself, the narratives and stories inside of your head, limiting beliefs that you have. It's like you're the one that has the ability to change it around. And I just, I respect that so much that you just shared that because it's that's going to resonate so hard. Yeah, and it's probably the scariest truth. But the most important one that we, we, it's all up to us. And that's a big responsibility and sometimes not one that people are willing to admit, but it's all, it's everything is ultimately up to us. It's all, it's all our choice, our perspective, our decisions, everything is all our choice. It's fire. Um, so that was amazing. That is, I feel like I was like there with you. So like I, re I was replaying your journey in my brain, <laughs> obviously not there during that experience with you, but it was just so vivid the way you just explained everything from day one to day four and then just thinking about the terrain and just imagining Iceland and what it looked like. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for um, expressing all those lessons that you learned along the way because it can resonate so much with um, overcoming adversity, overcoming, you know, not looking at failure as a, as a, as a means to an end. It's like, nah, let's just like, you know, surrender. Let's not be so attached to our end goals, but let's think about how we can make it enjoyable along the way. Um, so thank you. I appreciate that. One thing that I put in a pin at the end, and I want to share some time at the for the remainder of the pod, is talking about your pregnancy. I know it's like a switch from like that to like this, but I know it's going to resonate so hard with people that are listening because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, of the same similar situations that you, like you shared, that you experienced through training and actually doing that feat to like now you're going to take the lessons learned and what you've accomplished to now your family and your pregnancy and all of the things. So um you're what six months pregnant you said now so i know that the audience would love to know how you do it <laughs> you because first of all you guys i watch and follow hannah on on instagram and we'll put all your your links below so they can follow you but i'm like damn she has that belly and she's doing these kettle swings i'm like if she can do it anybody can do it right now so <laughs> how what man how do you manage to stay motivated uh while you are pregnant that's such a good question so uh, we had been trying to have a baby for a while um, and for like a year or so we didn't have any luck and then it happened. So I think that right before it happened, we decided the day that we actually found out we were pregnant, we went on a walk and we were like, you know, 
if we should go to the fertility doctor just to make sure that like everything's okay but pick up the try again in maybe a couple years maybe it's just not our time right now so we had kind of checked out of the idea of or the excitement and this anticipation of getting pregnant and then the day of it was like oh fuck we are pregnant like here it is like this is everything that we've been wanting that my mind was in a different space so to try and adjust it back to we had just bought a house. We had just had our house finished and renovated. We just moved to this new place. We were like, let's enjoy our city for a couple more years and get to build a community and do all these things. And so it was a hard thing to adapt to at first. And so I will say at the beginning of this, I also felt guilty talking about how smooth my pregnancy has been so far. But now I'm not. Like I feel like it's something that I think I'm really proud of. And I don't know. I don't have the science to prove it, but like living in and embodying in a truly healthy and fit lifestyle, I think is the reason why it has been so smooth. I haven't had one day of nausea since this all began, which is conflicting because then I also know solid professional athletes that were nauseous for six months of their pregnancy. So I don't know, but I've been blessed with no morning sickness. Um, I haven't had any ligament pain. I haven't had any like mobility issues. Like my body feels normal up until about two weeks ago I didn't even feel like I was pregnant um the way that I felt like I was pregnant wasn't necessarily on a physical level it was more of like um a mental battle and honestly energy my energy level was lower but I feel like my energy my typical or normal energy levels are far above average (laughs) just having like ADD I'm just going all the time and just channel it into into the life that we live but I feel like I I was affected by energy for probably, I would say not the first trimester, which is interesting. The first trimester, I was like more fearful of doing too much because I was like, I don't know what I should be doing and I don't want to be responsible for anything that could go wrong. You know, it's like such new territory. So I immediately got myself into a prenatal certification, which is with Girls Gone Strong, which was super important for me to be like, okay, I need to learn about what the professionals are saying, which is a certification that's been developed by Molly uh, Goldbreath. I think it's, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But she's fantastic. She teamed up with all these doctors, all with these OBGYNs and all these professionals in the field to create a modern day certification for women that are athletes. And so I was like, okay, I can be doing all these things. I need to understand what my personal limits are. Um, being with like on a rate of perceived effort level of a scale of one to 10, where should I be pushing to? I'm super in tune with my body. I know what a RPE of a one is versus a five versus an eight and a 10. So I stayed within my own personal boundaries, which I think is really, really important to to share for everyone else that's listening. And I also figured out what my max heart rate is. And then I pushed as an elite athlete, like I don't go beyond 90%, but 90% may not be right for everyone because of just my past experience. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been training as an elite athlete for all 10 years. Like I haven't taken any time off. So my body and my output is used to something maybe a lot different than most people. So I have been able to continue what I'm doing. And the biggest takeaway that I have had or biggest lesson is you have to be in tune with your body and listen to it because our bodies are insanely intelligent. And we have like these systems that no one tells you about before motherhood that your body will tell you if you should not or should be doing something and I remember at the beginning going to a CrossFit class where you're like surrounded by people and the energy's high and your ego just wants to fucking go like I'm so competitive I just want to win 
And I remember one day the, we had three rounds or something. And the first round I was like, I'm going to take it easy. Like I should probably like not go there and like not go so hard and slow down. You don't need to finish first. Like just do your best. And then round two came around. And I was like, that was way too easy. Like I need to go. Like I, I have way more in the tank. And then I tried and it was like, I was like in slow motion, like running through molasses. I was like, go, my legs wouldn't move any faster. It was like, it, but that's again, that's a system that's happening naturally and autonom- autonomically in my inside of my body that's not letting me go to these places it's like stopping me and then probably two weeks ago is when I've started to feel and have an, enough awareness to know that like coning of the core like when your abdominals muscles are come to this point like that's not right that's not normal but that hadn't happened up until two weeks ago and then it's just having the knowledge and the know-how of like okay what works what doesn't work so push-ups are out of the game for me right now hanging from a rig is out of the game, heavy, heavy lap pull downs are out of the game, like being okay with that and not saying, well, then I have to stop. But like, what can I do? What can I substitute for these things? What does that mean for me? Like, I think it's super important that we're all moving our bodies throughout pregnancy, but relative to our pre-existing output that we had before. So my motivation is not really ever gone on days that I'm tired. Like working out for me is just something that's part of my day. Just like other people's days, making their bed or brushing the teeth or eating lunch like working out is just a part of schedule of every day and so some days it was really low intensity and I'd be okay with that some days I'd feel like I was on fire and I fucking went there I did what I could you know it's like every day is a new day and dropping the expectations for myself and just showing up and knowing that new expectations are created every single day um but the hardest thing for me was the mentality of it of I know that you're the leader of your ship. You've created an empire, right? You've created all these businesses. I've taken so much pride in being this female CEO that has the ability to create anything and generate millions of dollars and affect millions of people's lives and all this narrative that I'm so proud of. Up until getting pregnant, I was like, oh shit, I don't want to be any of that for just a minute. You know, like I don't want to be a CEO when my baby is born. I don't want to have this responsibility on the days that I feel like not showing up on social media and not showing up on uh, in certain parts of my business and my team. And it's like, that's the part that has been really hard for me to adjust and realize like I have to accept effects happening internally within my body the same way that I need to understand that that is going to likely affect my business too. And trying my best to set up the systems ahead of time to give myself the space to be just a mom for a minute after this baby's born and then of course adapt to like trying to do both but I don't want to look back at this stage in my journey and regret putting my business or my team before my child and that's something that I've been really battling with of like who am I if I'm not this CEO like who am I if you know of like this identity crisis that has been happening my performance isn't where it used to be my strength isn't where it used to be my body certainly is not what it used to be and like letting go of all these things that I have allowed my mind to tell me that that, that's that's who I am it's like well no that's not who I am that's just a part of me and just like re like recalibrating my identity has been like the hardest part of this experience sure that's always usually always the hardest thing to do recreating a new one or involve evolving you evolving your identity it's like your next chapter just so cool totally yeah it's so cool because you created all these cool things but now you're creating life I know it's wild. <laughs> it's so bad. It's badass, though. It's pretty cool when they're able to do. Um, but yeah, you're, it's so cool that you have created all these things, and 
you know, there's a lot to unpack there. I love that you said it's a true testament that moving your body and being so physically active has been such an, for you and your journey, it's been an easier journey for you through pregnancy. Um, I think that's so important to like highlight because you, everything with health and fitness and just doing all of the right things will make make a, a great environment internally to do all of good things with life, not just for creating life, but for your own life. Um, and then, uh, what was another thing that you said too, as well? Um, which just to feed into that point that you bring up, I think being on social media, my, the reason why I think I've been so successful over the years on social media is because I've shared the truth of my life and I haven't tried to sugarcoat it. So that means now I show up in this space where I am doing what I'm doing, but it's been in, insane to me. I've lost so many followers, which is okay. Because I think that a lot of people that did follow me didn't follow me for motherhood. You know, a lot of people were following me for the Hannah Eden that showed up through Iceland and went fucking monster mode, you know, and that's okay. There's not things that we can relate to at this stage, but I caught myself like questioning, should I post this? Is this what my audience wants to see? And then had like this rude wake up call of like, that's not how you got here. You never curated to fit inside of someone else's box. You just did what was true and aligned to your life. So right now I'm pregnant. Right now I'm going through this. So this is something that I need to stay true to. And if that means there's loss in some sides, that's great. But the engagement's gone up because the people that do relate are far more interested in this truth and this reality and this experience. But I've had so much hate, dude. I've had so much mean stuff. And I'd be lying to say that it didn't doesn't affect me of like, what are you doing to your child? Because I'm still doing box jumps or I'm still doing intense exercise of like, you're going to kill your baby. Like some freaking brutal stuff and it's like times have changed i'm a fitness professional i would never do anything to put my unborn child's life at risk and like trying to navigate that whole world and grow that thick skin again because i haven't had that much hate on social media ever um but it's it's wild to hear and see what some people will say you know it's kind of crazy keyboard ninjas man they're out it's just it is it sucks but at the same time you're such a hard uh like a you know yourself and you're you're very hard in understanding who you are. And and I think that what you just shared there is really inspiring. I know I felt that way too. I have some freaking trolls or like you're on steroids. I'm like, wow, like it's just so hardcore like, shit that comes out from the pipeline or I look like a man. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what are you struggling with? <laughs> right, 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 right. And honestly, like looking at that whole concept though, that I have done a lot of inner work on, it's like, I think there's a lot of projection of fear of yeah. like, what someone is unable to do themselves so they just doubt that you'd ever be able to do it too so there must be steroids involved here like ha- like that's not possible no 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 it is it just takes a lot of really hard work and discipline that maybe you're not willing to put in to see your body or your results get there so it, it, i'm trying to switch that and like have empathy rather than anger because at first you're like fuck you how dare you come at me like that you know but it's no. like no maybe in my case maybe someone has lost a baby and that's something that i don't ever understand and that's maybe why this anger is coming out or maybe they let themselves go during their pregnancy and they gained 50 pounds and got gestational diabetes and regret that and resent anyone that didn't you know like who knows like we don't know what that person's going through so rather than shutting down or becoming like I don't know like hard towards it I'm trying to soften and just understand like everyone is going through their own experience and you man that is a higher you that is how everybody should be and operate from but it's hard and I get that too yeah it's so hard um, but I love all the things that you said in terms of like 
you have to take your pregnancy as it is for your experience, your body, you're going to have, you know, it's not like, even though you share all the things that you're doing, you're just so, it's just a, an amazing like person to get signed at the gym, move in, work out every single day. It may not be somebody else's experience. And then I love like, you know, you have evolved from this like hardcore going through Iceland to now attracting other people that are being able to meet you where you are in your life. And now you can empower and share your journey with them so authentic, authentically as you are. And it just feels so good to to be able to do that, you know, um, which I love watching you as a mom because it's, so, it's, it's so cool to see all the things that you are doing. But let the let the people know that are listening right now because I know we just covered so much good stuff um, and so many insights, so many lessons, so much inspiration that you shared, Hannah, today. Where can they find you? Oh, thank you. Um, so my social, main social media platform is Hannah Eden underscore fitness on Instagram. But all the things that I do, everything is kind of in this one interweb on my website, which is hannahedenfitness.com. Cool. And I'll link all that stuff below. Um, but this has been so amazing. Thank you so much oh, for being man. here. Thank you so much for bringing me on and asking me some of these great questions. It's been awesome to talk to you. Yeah, I'm excited for everyone to know, especially the audience, everyone to know a little bit more about you. I'm sure you already have a big following, but you know, you can always impact somebody that's going to listen to this in like maybe five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever you share is like, damn, and it just impacts their world. So oh, it's been a pleasure. You. Yeah. Thank you for being here, Hannah. I appreciate it. I appreciate you too. All right. See everybody. Hey guys, real quick. If you're interested in taking your body to the next level, lose body fat, build more muscle, feel more confident, do it alongside one of our 30 plus professional coaches. Work one-on-one with her to eliminate all of the guesswork that you may have. And all you need to do is just do the work that she tells you to do to get to those goals of yours. Now to learn more, click the link below this podcast and apply to our VIP program right now.